podcast we're finally back yeah yeah as soon as, as soon as we decided to go weekly we decided not to do one for a month <laughs> yep i think we gotta i don't know <laughs> we're a bit a bit rusty so stick with us a bit please i know right well you also got like uh summertime you know yeah. it's uh it's the summer solstice today oh really yeah so it's the longest day of the year and also the official start to summer Oh, nice. Yeah. That's good to know. And there's actually I, surprisingly a lot of good movies out right now. Usually I'm like, oh, it's summer, nothing good's coming out, but I've seen yeah. a lot lately. Yeah, usually this is like the sad season where there's only Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. And then up until fall, whenever all the wannabe Academy Award movies come out. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. We might sound a little different today because we had, I let another podcast borrow a bunch of my equipment so they could record a phone call and they forgot to give me my cord back, so. <laughs> but it's okay, it was another movie podcast, so. Oh, that's good. What was it called? It's okay. called Hammer, it's called Hammer and Camera. Oh, that's a good name. So they're a, they're a communist Siskel and Ebert is what they call themselves, <laughs> <laughs> which works for me. Yeah. Cool. But uh, yeah, how have you been? What have you been working on? Um, I've been working a lot, but just not on my own projects. I've been doing a lot of commercial work. Um, yeah. Met some new coordinators in Denver, so I've been working on a lot of those projects. So super long days, but also good sort of networking opportunities as well. Nice. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I have been doing some more commercial work out here with a production company, and we actually flew out to Colorado a couple weeks ago, oh, which was cool. kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to go shoot a video for a bank. Uh, and then I've been doing some like consulting work with like Omaha Public Radio. Oh, that's awesome. Um, for their podcasts. And then I just wrapped a short film that I made. Um, about the host of Revolutionary Left Radio, which is a socialist podcast um, that the host was randomly based out of Omaha. And I didn't even know that when I moved here. So Mm. it just kind of worked out. Yeah. Um, So I made a little short film about him. And originally it was going to be kind of about how he got the podcast started and stuff. But it really turned into like just a little portrait of how Omaha has kind of shaped his politics. Oh, I like that. I think place is really important to a person's sense of identity. Absolutely. I think that it really like turned into that, um, which is kind of cool to like have gone into it and then with one idea and then see it come out on the other end as like something completely different. Yeah, I think that's one of the best parts about making documentaries. It can be a bit frustrating. Uh-huh. Your planning kind of goes out the door, but it's cool kind of letting it take letting it take its course. Yeah, and the cool thing is I've been doing some videos for the podcast and stuff, so for his podcast, um, and his podcast is pretty popular, like, he does it full-time now and stuff, and 
and uh, we're going to launch a video project under the Revolutionary Left banner called uh, Left of Cinema. Hmm. And so we're launching that next week so after i release this podcast it'll be like launched in a couple days so oh cool yeah so i'm excited because we're gonna do like quarterly short films and then hopefully try to grow it into like a thing where we're hiring other filmmakers to make uh films about other issues so all kind of like under the lefty politics kind of banner but like with a lot of freedom on like what the form is and stuff because i don't want them all to feel like they're issue documentaries or pushing an agenda (laughs) yeah for sure um so my ideas are like just to make little portraits about people that are doing the activism and stuff and kind of just make these little portrait films that are like intimate and then like you know kind of like how I like to make films like quiet yeah yeah Yeah, so I like that because usually yeah. you don't always get to see the individual behind the cause or the issue. So I think yeah. that'll be a different take. Absolutely. So have you watched anything interesting lately in the last month? <laughs> oh, man. This is... Uh... I didn't write down anything. Okay, I can start. I can start right now because I've seen a lot of stuff lately. Um, Yeah. So for documentaries, um, I really want to talk about it on a future one. But the biggest little farm, I won't say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I won't say too much about it, but highly recommend it. It's definitely a tearjerker in that it's super cute because of all the baby animals, but also (laughs) presents a really good look at how we can kind of live in a more live in more harmony and sort of problem solve in more resourceful ways um Mm -hmm. which i really liked so it's still in theaters so i think check it out because i think we'll do a later podcast on it hopefully no we will Um, i gotta go see it yeah it's definitely like very heartwarming too i think it's still playing at the local indie theater here so i need to make sure i go out and see it and then Oh, sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. And another documentary I saw not as much my favorite was Amazing Grace. Um, it's the Aretha Franklin documentary. That came out about a month or so ago. Um, originally, it was done by Sidney Pollock, but the problem was is they weren't able in the 70s, and they weren't able to sync the sound to the visuals. Um, mm. So they redid it. I heard it about that. By Alan Elliott redid it last year um but he previously made it and it couldn't come out because aretha franklin kept blocking it and suing him so Mm -hmm. i think there's a bit of controversy and i don't know how i feel about that that as soon as she passed away they were able to release it um it's very very much a concert documentary so if you love her music i recommend it but i'd say the editing is not the greatest it kind of drags on a bit um Mm. But if you just want to listen to some good music and have a great sound system at home, I'd recommend it. <laughs> yeah, I want to, that sounds really, I don't know. I don't know. I, I like Aretha Franklin, but I don't really love concert movies too much. Like, mm-hmm. there has to be something else about there them. There needs like, to be a story. Like, one of the only concert movies I really like is uh, um, Stop Making Sense. Which but I, Who was that about? That's, 
that's the Talking Heads one that Jonathan Demi did. And I think that one really works is because they made the concert like for the documentary. And I think the concert tells a story. It's so beautiful how it like all unfolds. Like, yeah, he basically does this thing where it's like this, he starts off just himself on stage. Yeah. And then each song, more musicians get added until it's like this huge, like expanding thing. And yeah, you just have to see it because just it's like telling a story through the songs and through mm-hmm. on stage and the props and everything. And plus David Byrne is just really fun to watch because he does all these like silly yeah. dances and stuff. And <laughs> yeah, I'd I really like it. Yeah. Similarly, um, Mistaken for Strangers, which is the national documentary. If you haven't, have you seen that one? Uh-huh. But similarly, it's like about, because the band is um, comprised of all the brothers, except the lead singer's brother is not in the band for yeah. you for an obvious reason. Um, and he ends up following them on tour and making a documentary. And it sort of becomes more about their bond than it actually is about the music. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think it's good when music docs kind of sh- have a story or like show another side to it. Absolutely. I think yeah. that that's a really cool way to do it. Yeah. And another one I want to shout out that is one that I just watched recently was uh, John McEnroe in the Realm of Perfection. Hmm. And I was like kind of hesitant to watch it because a lot of sports documentaries, if it's not about a sport that I really like, yep. um, I'm like not super into it. Um, and like the only sports films I really like watching are ones that are more adventure based or like if it's a running film, I like watching running films, but that's because I'm a runner and I like watching cycling films. Uh, yeah. Again, because I'm a cyclist. <laughs> but the John McEnroe one is uh, about the tennis pro. And the reason why I watch it is because I do think tennis has like some inherently like cinematic kind of there's something inherently cinematic about that sport I think I think the colors too like the colors and style exactly I think that the it's like because the white clothing and the it's like very like art directed it feels like yeah almost Um, like a Wes Anderson-y vibe (laughs) yeah exactly I think that's why Wes Anderson's probably attracted to it so much with like uh Royal Tenenbaums and stuff but um I decided to give it a watch and it's just unlike any documentary I've ever seen like I don't even really know how to explain it it barely feels like a documentary um it's really strange and beautiful the way it's done so I would suggest anyone give it a chance and watch it I think I'm going to because I remember thinking a similar thing when it came to theaters I was like I don't like sports documentaries for the most part so I didn't go see it so now I think I'm gonna have to watch it yeah, it's definitely one of those things where it's like, uh, I think the film is really about how cinematic tennis is. <laughs> yeah. Because it really does yeah. kind of tell the story of tennis and John McEnroe through cinematic language. Okay. And that's the only really way I can describe it because it's, it's unlike anything else I've seen, really. And then another one I'm going to... I've been watching a lot of running films, but I watched one that I thought kind of transcended just being a running film into actually being like really interesting film. Um, Because, you know, I can watch like, I can watch running films and cycling films on two different levels. And 
like one is like as a runner and just like interested in seeing that and then the other one is like watching it as a filmmaker and watching it as Mm. just being a documentary that's like really beautiful and this one is called uh no listen to those birds is that in my background i think so yeah yeah i have a tree behind me with a lot of birds and squirrels i like it yeah not a bad way to wake up in the morning absolutely so it's called 3100 uh run and become Hmm. and it's about this like buddhist who they have this running race in new york that's like 3100 miles and it's only around one city block (laughs) oh jeez and so yeah so they so it's like almost like a month-long race where these people are just running around one block in in a in new york city and it's put on by these buddhists and it's really about the zen of running and it kind of interweaves his story with like other cultures and their history with running so they have one that's like these runners who uh were from an area in Africa where they run to hunt you know Mm. and then like there's another story of like uh in Japan they walk across the whole country for like years these certain Buddhists and then like I don't know it's really beautiful and I just thought it was like an interesting film just kind of about zen and about why people run and uh just kind of like human endurance in general and and just like how people can find themselves in that like endeavor i guess um so it's a really beautiful movie yeah 3100 run and become so i have one narrative film to talk about um yeah let's do it i've never been as confused by a film or at least recently it's called the souvenir by joanna hogg it came out this year released by a24 wait say um, that again i missed what you said oh the souvenir okay by joanna hogg and it was released like a couple weeks ago by a24 yeah um, i feel like i just saw something else by her and yeah she i can't remember what else she's done but this is going to be a two-part film, and I think the second part is very needed because it's one of the most um, big films I've seen. And <laughs> so it's about like a very shy but ambitious film student, and like in her mid twenties, and she comes across this like very charismatic but manipulative guy, and they have this interesting relationship. Um, but it okay. leaves out like how they met and like all the main plot points, which I normally enjoy, but I, I can't decide if too much was left out or not. Like I really want someone else to watch this cause I need to have a discussion <laughs> about it. Cause I'm still so confused whether it wasn't good or I just didn't understand it. Um, Where did you watch that? That was playing at the C film center. Um, oh, okay. So it's in theaters right now. It's in theaters. I'm not sure how long it's going to last because as someone who loves thinking in movies this one like really really made me think and you have to kind of earn it like it's not till the end that you sort of start to see the payoff um but it has great art direction incredible cinematography like really long takes um 
but it's one where you're like, you. All right, so today is exciting because it's Pride Month, it's June. We're coming back from not doing an episode for like a month, and then we're watching a classic. We watched a classic film that I have no idea why, but I've never seen it. Same. I don't know why either, because I feel like it's also a film is often used um, as like an educational tool, um, especially like in colleges to learn about this culture. Interesting. Yeah. And there's like a lot of stuff that, okay, so before we get into it, because I do want to talk about that a little bit, but we're talking about the film Paris is Burning. By Jenny Livingston. Um, She made it in 1990. And so she films the ball culture. of New York, more specific Harlem, in like the late 1980s. Um, Mm. And if you don't know what ball culture is, it's um, the gay and transgender community, um, in this case specifically African American and Latina, putting on these like competition pageants um, with drag culture. Yeah, so there was a lot of drag culture, there was a lot of like trans folk in this, in this community a lot of um just really like kind of a safe place for a lot of gay people at the time uh, mostly gay men and trans women as well so and uh mostly non-white so it's like this very like uh i mean very like what you at the time what harlem would be you know like mostly black and latino folks like or Latinx, uh, um, and yeah, I mean, let's just get into it, because when I was watching, so the reason why this movie kind of came onto my radar is because there's a lot of people with, like, Broad City and stuff, kind of, like, bringing in things like Yas Queen, uh, like, terms like that, and then terms like uh shady or throwing shade and um, yeah madonna like with her song vogue a lot of this stuff has kind of been co-opted made mainstream and stuff but pretty much all of this like i didn't really know this until recently and i and i have no idea why and i'm sure a lot of people listening to this will be like yeah where have you been because when i told lauren my wife that she was like (laughs) she was like are you serious and i'm like yeah. Well, I was in a similar boat. Like, I knew that these terms came most likely from the gay community, but mm-hmm. I didn't know, like, the full history of it. So, like, besides this being, like, an incredible film and, like, super fun to watch, it's, I learned so much and realized kind of how ignorant I was of how most mainstream culture is based off of a subculture, and we need to recognize that. Absolutely. Um, and like this film really like put it in perspective because like uh i personally didn't know where voguing came from because like i'm not into like that music really as much and like i kind of grew up listening to punk rock and whatever and um just voguing i always just thought was like madonna kind of for her song you know (laughs) so i had no idea 
And then whenever they were doing it, I was like, oh, this is where it comes from. And then, yeah, and I think it was like specifically one of the characters, I think Willie Ninja, who yeah. really, yeah, he started in the at the balls and then became like one of the best dancers and choreographers of the time and was started to work with mainstream artists. But I had never heard his name until this film. Yeah, exactly, same. And then just that whole idea of like certain things that we say just like, unknowingly just like oh that person's shady or like oh I'm throwing shade or whatever like that's really like from this film and from that culture and the cool thing about this movie is just that I mean like it you kind of watch it in two ways where it's like Mm -hmm. for me it's like a film about this kind of invisible culture that's kind of trying to put a spotlight on it it's like these people that society at the time in the 80s like that was like kind of Reagan era um and still to this well I mean yeah so what I'm trying to say and articulate is that it's kind of about this society that culture kind of made invisible a lot and this film is putting a spotlight on it and it's such a beautiful caring way like these people are like never made fun of in this film it's like such a loving film you can really feel that the filmmaker was just like, A, having a great time with these people and also like really cared for them. Yeah, and I feel like even though there is some controversy behind like a white middle-class woman making this film, I think she did a really good job about letting the people and culture speak for itself. Um, I think they were represented super well and like the whole time watching it, it's also, it has this, like, upbeat, fun, like, very expressive, like, everyone can be themselves, like, mood to it that I find, yeah. like, very inspiring. Totally. And, you know, just, like, realistically, like, at that time, the fact that a woman even got it made and True. made such a, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? It's just such, like, a, even still, it's, like, harder for women to get films made. Mm-hmm. It's a little easier in the documentary culture and even then it still was a little easier easier in the documentary culture just because the films are cheaper and stuff but like at the time just like uh anyone from that community making a film like would have been like nearly impossible just because of the expense of making films at the time you know like nowadays it would be yeah nowadays it would be easier you know because you could make something on your phone or you could you know Hopefully someone could buy like a digital camera, but it's still even hard these days for like poor folk to like make a film, you know? Well, yeah, I was reading an interview with her and she was saying that like at the time, all the money for film was controlled by white older men and they weren't, if they weren't going to watch it or deemed it important, they weren't going to finance it. So she struggled a lot. And she even said like what you're saying that it was unfortunate, but at the time, if a person from the ball community tried to make one of these films, it probably would never have found financing. Like yeah, she exactly. luckily had a little bit more of a, a little bit more power within this financing world, but still. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing with a lot of films and like storytelling in general is finding money to tell the stories about, yeah. you know, under, told stories like this and I think that the thing that I like I was trying to get to a little earlier is like at the time this like community was like invisible and then like the thing that was like kind of beautiful is like putting that spotlight on it in such a caring way but the thing that was a little heartbreaking is knowing that 
with all of these terms becoming so mainstream that this community was still invisible. Yeah. You and know? they're not being accredited for what they've done. Yeah, and a lot of the stories in this film are still stories that are relevant now. Mm-hmm. Because like as far as like we've kind of uh you know have moved a li- the needle a little bit as far as representation and like talking about trans folk and talking about um like especially like trans women of color and like just kind of the black community in general and the gay um lbgtqia world you know like the those stories are still relevant Mm -hmm. you know and like like trans women of color most are more likely to get killed still and there's still been murders of trans women this year and people like trump and like these new like rise of you know kind of proud boy type crap you know is like is like just exacerbating the problem and and it's like and that's the heartbreaking thing about the film is like you watch it and you see all of these human beings and all of their dreams and all of their kind of watching tv and like and wanting kind of like a better life and you know to have like more money and you know there's a lot of themes of like you know talking about money and talking about you know the poverty that they're living in and i think that was the other thing too is it didn't romanticize being poor you know like yeah well they even say um like venus extravaganza one of the um trans women in the film she's like quoted saying that she wishes she was white and she wishes she was rich because women like that get whatever they want um and so yeah it's definitely not glamorized in any way yeah because i think there's a tendency sometimes whenever we make films about um people with like economic hardships and stuff to kind of like make them like like these kind of like what's the if they call it like poverty porn you know like people like get a camera and they make it like they go to like a poor area and they're like oh look at this yeah. you know look at these like their hardships you know, and yeah and they're so like resilient and you know and I think that this movie really did a great job at like showing that there is like happiness and there is a safe place and there is a beautiful culture with yeah. it but also there's a lot of heartbreak and longing for like better situation. Well, I think that's because of the structure of the film, which I think was Mm -hmm. so well done. It puts it into categories, which also mimics fall culture because they have categories, Mm -hmm. but she disperses the sort of hardships throughout and doesn't just throw it at you at one time. Like it's, it's hinted at, you know, that the fact that they're sex workers or that they have to steal to get the clothes but it's not all at once so you feel like they still love like the people are loving what they're doing but realistically their life is not easy um but it doesn't take away from ball culture though because it could have yeah like you're saying it could have easily been a piece about look how hard their lives are but that would have i think done a disservice to their community yeah I think they did a good job of balancing it yeah balance is a good word yeah just like not ignoring the longing 
mm-hmm. and like just kind of the poverty in that culture at the time and even now mm-hmm. um so they didn't ignore it but they also didn't like glamorize it and be like you know i don't like, know yeah you know what i'm saying you know yeah. you guys know yeah. what i'm saying and I think one of the most heartbreaking points or parts of the film, which goes off of this, is bec- one of the categories that they do. So in the ball, in the, at the balls, they do categories that they're judged on or their realness is judged on. Um, mm-hmm. so they'll have like butch, femme. One of them was like CEOs. And they were, so it's like to be a black gay man at the time, like becoming a CEO was one of the most or very, very unrealistic. And so the fact that they could express that sort of aspiration, but also knowing what the real, like what the reality of that was and how almost impossible that was for people like that at the time and still is, you're like, it was kind of, it was a difficult moment, I'd say in the film. Yeah, and I, and and with the, a lot of the categories and stuff like that was definitely again just that like that acknowledgement of um well it was just like seeing that the same problems still exist you know it's like we have a small amount of like representation now for for queer and trans folk and people of color but it's still like radically mm-hmm. like unequal you know yeah. it's still like when it comes to financing, it's still a bunch of like rich white dudes and it's still a bunch of like, you know, like there's more financing now and like making films is cheaper, but it's still like such a struggle, you know, for people to tell their stories. Yeah. And I think that that was kind of the, I mean, that's what, it's kind of like dialectic, you know, it's like, it's like, it's such a beautiful film just about these people and their lives and their heartbreaks and, just humanizing them to such a level that we rarely get to see, mm-hmm. you know, and and it is kind of an invisible culture is kind of what I kept thinking while I'm watching that. So I'm yeah. like, why aren't there more films like this? And like, and then even within the film, they talk about like how New York is changing and it's starting to gentrify. Mm-hmm. And like nowadays, like New York's fucking so gentrified, like from, from the early nineties to now, like New York's a drastically different place. Like Harlem is like a hipster city now. Yeah. You know, people are moving to Queens because like Brooklyn, they already took over Brooklyn and it's too expensive now. And like, and it's, and it was just kind of like seeing the start of that mm-hmm. and like how these cultures, like they build this community and they make a place like cool and they make a place like interesting. And then all these people want to like, move into it and then those people don't get to take part in the change like rarely they just get pushed out yep and we see that like towards the end that you know this culture that they built and their safe place yeah it disappears because like because of like uh development and gentrification and stuff and the same thing is like we talked about earlier but consent can be said about like the culture and the style of like this community exactly. it gets adapted by mainstream culture like we've seen this before and then we don't recognize where it came from like it's yeah. great that that gets some notoriety and like subcultures influence mainstream but then it's like we need to stop and take a look at like where this came from yeah exactly because i think that it's there's such a problem with like we see something that's like fun and beautiful and then and then we want to be part of it but 
you know, instead of being a part of it, like, uh, like, especially mainstream, like, kind of white teenage culture and stuff. And that's what's so upsetting kind of about like Broad City, like, everybody associates like, yes, clean with that, you know, or whatever it is, you know, and nobody even really knows where like the ring shape comes from, because they see all these things, and they think it's cool and beautiful. And that's great. But then instead of like, being a part of the culture, it's just like, it gets sucked up into like mainstream, like white culture. And that's what's frustrating. And that's like that kind of cultural, like colonization that happens like over and over again. Mm -hmm. And then we see it over, we see it all the time. I mean, you go back to like Elvis Presley and rock and roll and like, you know, all of those people were taking music from kind of black culture, you know? And yeah, it's like, and then we see it with hip hop. We see it with uh, just like all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and speaking, yeah, of gentrification, there's a new movie out that I just saw, um, The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Oh my God, I want to see that. that it beautiful. is so beautiful. The score is incredible. It's heartbreaking. But s- similarly, it's not like too hard. Like it's subtly heartbreaking which I prefer it does it's not like a preachy piece at all um but if you in this in a similar way it talks about sort of how the communities that created San Francisco have been pushed out and they try to regain it and how unrealistic that is yeah 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 I don't know this film is just so beautiful and just like uh talking about the filmmaking Oh, it's incredible. That was one of my first notes. I was like, it's so stylized. The Mm -hmm. camera angles are incredible. And it takes advantage of the atmosphere it's filming. It's so colorful. It's very, like, you can feel the energy through the camera work, which I loved. Yeah, and I feel like you really get a sense for the place they're in. Mm -hmm. And, like, there's rarely much stuff, like, outside of apartments or outside of the ballrooms. Yeah. Well, it's the Um, street, usually, but... yeah. And I feel like you get kind of a sense of the places where they lived and kind of uh, what it was like in Harlem and New York at that time. Yeah. And I think that that's like one of the things that was so attractive about the movie is that it was a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't really think of the contrast until now between the balls and the street. And you see why that is such an important place for people because it's the complete opposite of sort of the reality outside of it. Yeah, because like when they're in the balls and they talk about it a lot, they're like, when I'm in here, you know, I'm like signing autographs or I'm I'm like beautiful and people are cheering for me and all of this stuff. And then they go out into the real world, you know, and then, you know. It's not like that. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's like kind of that dialectic again that I was talking about. That's like yeah. so beautiful about that place. Cause when they're inside of that place, it's fun and beautiful and exciting. And when they're outside of it, it's a lot of longing and heartbreak for more of that feeling. Yeah. And, you know, and a lot of the people's lives turn out differently and you kind of hear about it at the end. And, and it's like similar to the same kind of stories we hear now, you know, like a few people get to break out you know, of, like, their situation, but a lot of people are just kind of, like, lost in the mix. Yeah. And, um, and there's that, you know, story, of course, about 
the unfortunate thing that we hear now is the violence against trans women a lot of times and trans people in general. Um, there is some of that in the film too. Um, we don't see the violence, but we hear about how it affects like one of the characters. And, and that part was, you know, so sad to hear because it's such a common narrative even to 2019, you know, like 30 years later, we're dealing with the same bullshit of like toxic masculinity and like, and people like accusing like trans women of like trying to pull over a deception or something like that. But this film really like shows you how much like these people are just being themselves, you know, it's just like yeah. who they are and, and maybe they were born in the wrong bodies, you know? Yeah. And I think they did a really good job of sort of talking about what happens. Um, Cause it's the violence is introduced or the, what, I don't want to give it away, but it's by yeah. her, her house mother. And I really, that's another element of the film. I really liked um, how people form their own houses yeah. with parent, like a mother and a father, because oftentimes they have been abandoned or kicked out by their own families. So they're able to create their own. Um, they also compete with them, but the fact that it's her mother who kind of gives the news, um, but also isn't surprised by it as well. Like, yeah, it's cause I guess it, it, it's horribly a common occurrence, I think. Yeah, and I think, I wonder if like at the time when people were first seeing this, if they were surprised by it, because I remember not being surprised. No, I was yeah, I wasn't. And then I was also, I mean, I was like, thought it was really sad, but it was kind of like, oh yeah, this is like what happens a lot It's what, yeah. It's, and we, it's fucked up. <laughs> yeah, but we think that way. Like, it's really sad that like, that's not something that we like blink twice about almost. Yeah, and I don't want, I don't want a culture to be like that. And no. unfortunately it is. Yeah. But it's such a great film and I can't believe I didn't see it sooner. I know. But and as much I, as like, I think it brings up a lot of these conversations and how we're not, all the issues within our society and culture and misrepresentation and all this stuff. I think overall the tone is more on the happy side, which I really appreciate. Yeah. Absolutely, because it really is like, it really is about the community and the families they built. Yes. And I think that that is the inspiring part and that's the beautiful part and that's the main takeaway from the film, you know? It's like, with all of the struggles, with all of the pain, with all of the poverty, whatever, you know, these people like built their own communities and they're there for each other and they're they built their own families. And there's that one part with like those two like kind of young kids. Oh yeah, they're really cute. And they're the two young gay kids and they're yeah. together. And one of them is like, yeah, I live at my best friend's house because my parents, you know, kicked me out or whatever. Mm -hmm. And the other kid like lived with their parents, but here they are like walking around New York together and yeah. they have their own little world now, you know? Yeah. And I think despite all the hardships, like people have created a space where they can freely express themselves and feel safe. And yeah, that's incredibly hard to do. But like, I like how this film sort of 
celebrates this environment and absolutely yeah and i think that that should be the real takeaway is just that you can create spaces where you can express yourself and and you know kind of live out your aspirations too exactly and i think that that is i think that that's a wonderful takeaway because that should be all of our focus you know just like the the stuff that we can build and the communities we can build and and kind of keeping a focus on that you know because mm -hmm. even like all of us have this you know some of us have more struggles than others but we all have struggles you know and we all kind of like build our own families and I think that that's like yeah. something we can all relate to definitely like yeah that was very relatable like coming together and that you sort of need others to get through hard times exactly yeah. and I think that that's some that's a lesson that you know everyone can learn you know yeah. <laughs> especially at the time there was such a dominant culture of like yeah. that was the time when everyone wanted to move to the suburbs you know oh god yeah to like go to work pull into you know with their cars two car garage yep yeah exactly and then they wanted to like go into their garage or not talk to their neighbors or anything and I think that that's kind of shifting now you know where people are like looking for that community again because they realized that that didn't really work no you know like more people like our age are moving to cities and they want to be part of like groups and you know whatever it is um and i think that that's like i think that's just such a human thing and i think that's what the film did a great job of capturing yeah i think that's a yeah good point to leave it on a happy note yeah absolutely yeah and i think that that should be the focus too yes. like i know that like when i was watching it i had a lot of like the heartbreaking part wasn't the film really it was just like knowing the times that we're in now mm -hmm. you and know and knowing stirs that up within you and like these exactly. conversations you think we need to be having yeah and i don't think that was the film's fault i just think that was like our lack of um progress yeah. when it comes to and actually some of the like anti-trans stuff that has come out lately okay. with like the trump administration and, and the bathroom issues and exactly and like and it's still like that struggle so a lot of the like pain i think i was taking into like what we're still experiencing because it's like we've moved the needle on like representation a little bit but we haven't substantially made much substance substantive changes when it comes to protecting trans people okay you know, and having laws that like recognize them as human beings yeah. and who they are. And there's still so much violence. Like that's the part that's frustrating. It's like, yeah. and I think that that's like why some of the, some of the negative aspects kind of stuck out to me more is just cause like, it pisses me off that like, <laughs> that like yeah. we haven't, we haven't made. Yeah. It's 30 years system. later and like, we're still yeah. not even close to figuring out this. Yeah. I mean, a lot of a lot of this shit in the film like took place when I was like four years old, three years old. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and like, we should be like evolving as a society and being more inclusive, but yeah. that's not the reality, unfortunately, right now. But I think pieces like this are really good because it it shows sort of the triumph. I don't like that word. Um, it sort of how do I say it? like it takes the narrative back 
I think from the negative, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like totally. it shifts it and it's like as much as there are hardships and we there's so much work that needs to be done and people just need to be kinder to each other. There's still so much good and like happiness happening within this that we need yeah. to sometimes just focus on that. Well, and the great thing is one of the things too is like it really shows the power of documentary that we can watch this film 30 years later. Yeah. And have such an emotional response to it and have such a snapshot in a specific time that we can kind of still pull to now and learn lessons from and like learn oh, yeah. how to be better, you know, and see how much like certain things have changed. Like, you know, we have like, you know, trans people on TV now and maybe in movies, like still not a lot, but it's happening a little bit. But, you know, we still need that substantive change that has been problems since like even 30 years ago, mm -hmm. since before that, you know, and now we can kind of have this like beautiful little snapshot and we can kind of like still gain lessons from it and learn yeah. how to be better. And I think that that's like, that's like the important thing with cinema mm -hmm. in general. And that's especially something that I love about documentaries because like these are real people, you and know. this is their story. Yeah, exactly. And like, uh, we got to see a little section of it, but it tells like such a bigger story. Yeah. And I think that that's like what I really took away from this film and what I really loved about it. Um, yeah, I learned so much from this film and realized that like, it's important to go watch films, especially documentaries of, of people different than yourself. Because um, you sort of realize you have more, I think, similarities than differences in sort as human beings and like how we experience feelings, but also like people's stories and ex on the other hand are so different than your own and that we need to recognize that as well. Yeah. So what's your rating for this film? Out of how many? Our I ratings. Would, you forgot our ratings already? I forgot our rating system. Well, my rating is definitely go see it. Yeah. And I think it's a much happier film than the converse. Like, I really appreciate yeah. the conversation we're having about this. Of and course, yeah. That make you think about how our society and culture functions and what we can do differently and, like, knowing your place within it. Um, but I would just go watch it. It's on Netflix, so there's no excuse not to. That's my rating. You don't have an excuse not to watch it. Yeah, and I'm going to also say watch it. It's on Netflix, easy to find. Uh, and again, it is a fun, beautiful oh, movie. Yeah. There's so much heart to it. You just love these people and you just like, they're just such like beautiful, sweet baby angels. You just love them <laughs> so much. And then- <laughs> Yeah, I found myself um, laughing, not like la like enjoying the film so much, like during the ball scenes when people are just like, they're voguing and strutting down their catwalk. Yeah. You're just like, oh, this is so fun and like, so much like love within it yeah yeah there's so much love in the film and that's like literally if there were any parts where i really kind of wanted to cry it was just because of how like Happy. much yeah. these people's loved each other you know yeah and this beautiful community that they built and then like yeah all of this like negative conversation like a lot of that is just stuff that i'm taking that just like made me upset just because yeah. like seeing it now in 2019 that you're like these people built this like such beautiful thing and then knowing how much we still need to do that's the part that was like kind of that's the 
this stuff that like was a little heartbreaking for me it's not the film because the film is like a beautiful snapshot yeah. and it's so caring and I just hope that anyone would watch it um and it's short too it's like an hour and 11 minutes it's oh like yeah a, it's it's like a quick watch it's fun there's yeah. dancing there's like happy like great music fun people great music very cool, like, like 80s yeah yeah and it was just like from a film perspective just like the way it looks it just has that like awesome like look that the yeah. 80s had with film you know and before like they started moving everything to like video for documentaries and like documentaries had a sad period I think in like the mid 90s yeah uh where like they just looked really bad because they were all in this like terrible video um which like made sense from like a production standpoint yeah. but the films were just ugly because of that um but the film has a beautiful look I love the like inner titles like the fonts and uh, stuff yeah they I like it's like chapters of the film and it's yeah. almost it mimics the categories that like happens in ball culture too which I really like yeah exactly because there's a big focus on the categories and stuff so definitely watch it yeah cool I love that movie I'm glad we did that one I really like yeah I was same thing I was like why have I not watched this before yeah but cool I guess we do the closing yeah. now <laughs> I'm like what do we do now yeah all right so that does it for another episode of a documentary podcast what do we say what do we say oh like you can oh, yeah. Oh, yeah thanks yeah. for listening um you can find <laughs> us at a documentary podcast.com yep Yep. You can email recipe. us. Yeah. And so our next episode, we'll be doing two films by Agnes Varda, which we've been meaning to do in Agnes Varda episode for a while yeah. to, to kind of like uh, put a spotlight on her films and how much we are going to miss her and, and how much we love her movies. Um, She's definitely so one of my favorite filmmakers. And yeah, like also too. celebrates film and celebrates life more than yeah. filmmakers have ever seen. Exactly, and she makes me like really think about the structures of the films that I make and why I'm so hesitant to play with them. <laughs> um, so we're gonna do Beaches of Agnes and Faces Places. Yeah, and maybe interject a few other ones because there's a couple ones I want to talk about. Yeah, totally. Yeah. We'll talk all about a lot more than those, yeah. but those will be the focus. Um, and if you want to email us with any other suggestions, email us at a documentarypodcast at gmail.com. And you can, we also have an Instagram, a documentary podcast. And then you can email me, or not email me, but you can find me on Instagram at Joshua LeBure. And then I'm at CMS Moments. And then, all right, we'll see you next week. We're going to go back to a weekly schedule. Uh-oh, let's not jinx it this time. We'll try. Yeah. And this is cold brew. Ooh. That I made with my fancy whiskey ice. <laughs> All right, we'll see you next week. Yeah. Cool. That one, I think.